Praise the Lord, we're in the book of Revelation and we're moving along. We're all the way up to chapter 13. Chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. This is a very interesting chapter. It's one that, boy, you can go in a lot of different directions on. And I hope that I can share with you a few of my ideas that I have on this interesting book. Revelation is a book that you have to really study and study and study and study and study. And then you still may not get it. Let me give you two verses that I think will help you as we start into the 13th chapter. This is the chapter, see, that talks about two beasts. One coming up out of the water, the sea, and one coming up out of the land. And, of course, everybody has an inquiring mind and want to know who they are. To start with, look there in chapter 13 and verse 18. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Now, is anybody in here wise? It says, Here is wisdom. And here you are, and you're supposed to figure it out. When you can't figure it out, does it make you feel a little dumb? Because, I mean, it says, here is wisdom, and blah, 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 it gives you like this, you know, a little puzzle to put together. And then you're supposed to come up with the answer. Also, look over there in Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 17. And look there in verse 9. Here it says, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. You think, well, okay. If I have wisdom, I'm supposed to understand this. And if I don't understand it, does that mean I'm a dum-dum? Well, not, not so fast. Don't be too hard on yourself. Go back there to chapter 13. When he says, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. That's during that period of time. You see, that's, that's not for us. Now, we're not there. Now, if I was in the tribulation period, and I saw all these things coming to pass, and he says, when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, know this, and all these things will come to pass during that period of time. So there's a lot of knowledge that will be greatly understood when the time comes. But we're not going to be here during this period of time. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, it's only if you have a right to know or a need to know? Do I need to know what that really means? Do I really need to know who the Antichrist is? You know, for me to serve the Lord, for me to be faithful? Do I really have to know? Do I have to really be able to nail down what is the 666? Some people say it's that little very chip they're going to put inside of you, you know. And uh, I mean, your hand or your forehead, well, it might be, I don't know. I really don't care. It's not going to affect me one iota because of all the things that are going to happen upon the earth, I will give you the general idea. So when he says, here's the mind that hath wisdom, it's the number of the man, the number of the beast, and blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not there to know who that person is. When they give everybody a number, is it because they lined everybody up and one, two, three, four, five, and whosoever number has six, 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 I, that's the one. How do I know? 
I don't really care. I don't care about taking his name and making the letters come out and say, oh, there's the Antichrist. Because you add them all together and it comes out to 666. I'll never forget when they had o. Henry Kissinger and that's, his name came out to that. They've had some popes that come out with 666. So, I mean, th there's only supposed to be one guy, but they had a whole bunch of names that would fit. You can make anybody's name fit. You might even be able to make James Taylor, you know, if it, you know put, it in, put it in the Greek or something like that, in each Greek letter, so many. You can have a ball. But you can't dogmatically say what it is or what it is not. It's better for us to stick with what we do understand. So there's enough in this chapter that we can understand. So look there in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. In verse 1 he says, And as I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the names of blasphemy. Well, who is this, this beast that comes up out of the sea? Well, if you look right there in chapter 12, where he makes the statement in verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. So here is a reference toward the devil. Now we know that during this period of time, the devil is going to be manifested through his man of sin. He's got a guy that's going to be his little protege, and he's going to do everything that whatever the devil wants. So what I want you to see is that this beast at the end, uh, this false prophet, uh, what I want you to see there in chapter 13, uh, look down there in verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, spake like a dragon. So they both have something in common. They have the devil behind them. And the devil is going to give them great power. As you see up there in verse, uh, you see there in the last part of verse 2, it says, And the dragon, which is the devil, gave him his power and his throne and great authority. So the devil is behind the scenes manipulating things, deceiving the world, and he's got his two men. Now remember we covered uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Lord who has his two men. And they were causing havoc upon the earth. Uh, well, these two are the devils. And so, buddy, this ought to be one showdown. I almost wish I could be here. You know, of course, I'd like to be like Superman, invincible and all that and great power. and to do it. But I don't want to be here and get hurt. So I don't think I'm going to be able to make it here. But when you talk about this beast that comes up out of the sea, which we believe is a political head, and then we have one that comes up out of the land, and he has two horns, but he speaks like a, the devil, and it's a lamb. In other words, I believe that that is the ahead of, of the religious system. So you've got political and you've got religious, and they're going to work together. Now, this is not Israel. It has nothing to do with Israel. But so that you see this and understand, I think, a little bit more, about the beast. I want you to go all the way over to the 19th chapter, the 19th chapter of Revelation, and look in verse 20. In verse 20, it says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. So these are the two that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 13. 
that worked miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So these two are able to suffer and these two will be cast into the lake of fire. Now look there in chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So you know how they're going to end up. Here you have the unholy trinity. You've got the dragon, the devil, and you've got the beast, the antichrist, and you've got the false prophet. All three in the lake of fire. So you know how they're going to end up. See, that's good news already. That's why I like to cheat and go a little bit further and find out, well, what happens to them? Now, go back to Revelation in chapter 13. In chapter 13, there are three things that are mentioned here. In verse 2, it says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So there's three things mentioned here, the leopard, the bear, and the lion. And the bear, the leopard, and the lion is also representative of three nations that were way back there in the uh, book of Daniel. And chapter 7, there were four beasts mentioned, but the last beast had ten horns. Now, in chapter 2, that last beast had ten toes. But there were three things that described the three nations before them. And then we had the Roman Empire, because there was four mentioned there in the seventh chapter. But the first three is representative right here. That this last world power will be a lot in similarity to all the beasts that were before it. In other words, the way... Babylon was, and the way the Medes and the Persians was, and the way the Alexandrian Empire was, the way the Roman Empire, the last world power will be like all of those powers. It says there's never been a government like this government that will be able to control the world like this nation or this government will be able to do. And that's why he says, who can make war with this last beast? So... We study it, we look at it, of what's going to take place, and knowing that we're living at the, the doorway of some of these things going to be fulfilled very soon. Now look what he says there in verse uh, 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, it's very interesting trying to figure out, now what in the world is he talking about? And I'll have to admit, I have to guess at some of the stuff. Because I'm not sure I have all the knowledge that I need. But as I look at it and I read it, I come up with a few ideas. And I'm not sure that they're, you know, can put it in concrete. So that's why whenever I'm not dead set on that particular view, I say, this is a little Yankeeology. And that means that this is my opinion based upon my understanding as I understand it at this time. But there could be something else that could change my mind. Now, when I talk to you about the gospel, the two natures and all that stuff, I'm rock solid on that. I don't change. I don't move. I know what I believe. I have eternal security. I don't discuss it. Don't have to debate it. I'm, I, I'm there. But when it comes to prophecy, you're always trying to figure out all the pieces of the puzzle. 
And um, there's some pieces to it I haven't figured out yet. And may not be able to because I believe some of these things will be revealed after the rapture takes place. But what I want you to look at, when he makes the statement, And all the world wandered after the beast. Now there's something to remember about this last world government. There were seven of them, and we usually refer to them as the uh, Egyptian Empire, then the Assyrian, and then you've got the, uh, uh, you know, the Babylon and the other ones on down the line, the Egypt, the Persians, the Alexandrian Empire, the Roman Empire. And so uh, that's six of them. Well, the seventh one is this last one. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it mentions about Israel being the head and not the tail. But he says, if you don't obey me, you will be the tail and not the head. So whenever Israel is in disobedience, she is placed under the head of a Gentile power. And so as you count them, that's what's happened. So there have been seven heads over the nation of Israel. But he says, now one of these heads, or the head of this last government, uh, has something happened to him. And it makes a statement that um, he's like wounded with a deadly wound or a mortal wound. And so there's a question about whether or not did he really die or not, and he came back to life. And uh, so there's a question about that. I don't know if he really died and came back or if he just had a mortal wound, but he didn't die. I don't care. It, it don't matter to me. Now, it might matter to you, but it don't matter to me. And so he makes a statement there. This second man that comes on the scene. Now, he is um, trying to get everybody to worship the first man. And remember, you have Jesus Christ when he came into the world. Now, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to get the world to accept Christ, to worship Him. So the Holy Spirit is not designed in such a way that He's going to say everybody to talk about the Holy Spirit. Everybody always talks about the Holy Spirit. Didn't get that from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit magnifies Christ, points to Christ. So always remember that. This false prophet is going to do everything he possibly can to get people to worship the Antichrist. So if you look there in verse 12, he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, which causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, there's a lot of imitation that goes on, a lot of similarities where it looks like that this is the real Messiah because he comes and he dies and comes back to life. And now you have the Holy Spirit trying to get everybody to worship. the. Well, remember, that's what happened to Christ. Christ was here for three and a half years. And he was killed and came back to life. And he's an imitator. He's a copycat. And trying to get people to worship him. Christ went into the temple. He goes into the temple. Jesus said he was God. Well, he says he's God. It seems like somebody's lying. Somebody's lying here. And then in verse 14, it talks about, And deceiveth them, deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So you have this false prophet trying to get everybody to worship this, this beast, the head of this last world government. And then to be able to make an image of the beast and then cause people to want to bow down or worship. And remember this, we're living in a time 
where cloning is possible. Now, whether or not that's what's going to happen, or not, I don't know. And once again, I don't care. All I know is that when it happens, God said so. And it'll happen like God says. So instead of trying to manipulate scriptures and try to figure out everything, just believe that what God says will happen, it will happen. And we don't have to understand it all, only to know and to believe that during this period of time, this is a general idea of what's going to take place. Now, this one that got this wound by head, well, where, where did he come from? Where did he come from? I wish I had all the answers, but I, I don't. Look in Revelation and um, chapter 17, and look in verse 8. Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. Now, this beast that's going to be um, the head of this beast that's going to be cast into the lake of fire, the head of this last one-world government, what kind of a person is this? It looks like he could be a hybrid. <laughs> I don't know. But he looks like he's half devil. But the Bible says he'll be able to be cast into the lake of fire and he's going to be punished. Verse 8 says, The beast that thou sawest was, that means he existed before, is not, not right now, shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Now that word perdition, you ought to underline it. Because I want to show you something about that in just a minute. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, he says, when they behold the beast that it was and is not and yet is. What kind of a beast is he talking about? Where did he come from? Comes out of a bottomless pit. So this is evidently somebody that's uh, maybe lived at one time, cast into a pit, and going to come back. I don't know, but it's something to think about. And then um, if you'll notice there in verse 11, and the beast, the head of this last world government, that was, is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and goeth into perdition. Says that twice. So remember, the head of all these nations that at one time or other has had dominance over the nation of Israel, because Israel was promised that if it served the Lord, they'd be the head, not the tail. So their rebellion caused them to be the tail, and there's seven heads under which they have fallen under. But it says that this uh, one is... Uh, going to be a, a beast and something strange that happens to them and when John wrote the book of Revelation he says in verse 10 there are seven kings five fallen one is the other is not yet come so whenever you had the five that existed before and then during the Roman Empire that's number six and then the last one is going to call down the last 2,000 years. See, Israel's been out of the land. And then you have the last world power that's going to exist, but it's going to be ten nations that are going to come together and give their power to the beast. So this, this last one is of the, the seventh because they will give their power to this beast, but he's of this group. So the question is, is are we living at a time when we're talking about a beast that has this head and he's going to die now? Or is he someone who's died before? So I had that question. So, but when I read this here in the book of Revelation, it seemed like he's somebody, if it's possible, that has already lived and died, but he had to have a head wound and comes back from the dead. So it, uh, it do get interesting trying to 
put it all together. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of, well, look at this here, while we're right here, in Revelation chapter 13. Because whoever he is, this is what he does. In verse 7, and he was, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So this is the last power. And whenever you read in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, it says that he will destroy the saints. And then it says later on, they will possess the kingdom. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to die during this period of time. So take your Bible and look here in the book of John in chapter 17. The Gospel of John in chapter 17. John chapter 17 is the prayer that Jesus Christ makes. Uh, this is uh, the real Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice in the midst of his prayer, he makes a statement that's not said about anybody else. Never said about anybody else. We know that he says that he made the statement to a guy named Judas. He says that he, the devil, entered into Judas and that he was of the devil. But look what he says here in chapter 17 and verse 12. While I was with them in the world. Now he's talking to his father, Christ says, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. In other words, while he was there, not that he was saved and then he got lost. No, he was never saved to begin with. But Judas betrayed the Lord. And he did so because Satan entered into him. Judas, the Bible says, went out and hanged himself. And it says that he burst headlong and burst his bowels all over the place. And then it talks about they had to get somebody else to take his place. And it talks about him going to his own place. Not like you and I or somebody else who's lost, but going to another place. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. You'll notice in chapter 2 and in verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first, which I believe is a reference to the rapture. And that man of sin be revealed... The son of perdition. There's only one that's ever been called that. Somebody supposed to have died and had a head wound and comes back to life, so to speak. Now, he didn't go to heaven. And he didn't go to paradise in the heart of the earth. But there's a good possibility he did go because he was lost to a place of destruction, which we call the place or the pit of hell, which is the abyss. It also says here that this... Son of perdition is mentioned here. And then talking about 
who in verse 4 opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now whether or not that's any connection, I don't really know. Only that the scriptures point this out, and if there is a connection, so be it. But it's not going to cause me to stay awake at night. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It, it won't matter. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. But only that I believe God's word will be fulfilled. And that during that period of time, people will know. They will have knowledge. They will be able to count the number of this last beast and the mark of the name and so forth. All this stuff will be understood. And he says that these two the beast and the false prophet are going to do everything in their power to deceive the whole world. Now, in book of Luke, in chapter 21, it talks about keeping yourselves from the snare that will come upon the whole earth. Because right before that, it talks about uh, for fear of those things that are coming upon the earth. Men's hearts failing them. And then he talks about then shall they lift up their eyes, and their redemption draweth nigh. Talking about when Christ comes back to the earth at the end of the tribulation period. Now, the reason is because all of the truth that God has given, and he's going to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists that perhaps could have been one to the Lord because of the two lampstands, the two uh, olive trees that were mentioned in the chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. But there's a lot of people that are going to trust Christ as their Savior. A lot of people are going to die. Now look what he says here. Down here in verse 9, he says, Even him whose coming, talking about Christ, whose coming is after the working of Satan. So the tribulation period, the last half of it, which is the great tribulation period, is the working of Satan. Satan is at work with all of his wrath that he can pour out upon God's people. And the Bible says that he will destroy God's people. And I'll show you that in a little bit if I can remember to go back to it. But look what he says now in verse 9. He says, After the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders... And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because, why? Why is he able to deceive them? Because they would not believe the truth. If you don't believe the truth, you will believe a lie. Now let me just kind of break in here just a little bit. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die. Did you know that the rest of your life, you're either going to believe truth or you're going to believe a lie? And if you believe the truth, you'll serve the Lord. And if you don't, you're going to believe a lie. It's either you're believing truth or you're believing a lie. It can't be neutral. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're not going to serve the Lord. You say, well, I don't want to do what God wants and I don't want to do what the devil wants. I'm going to do what I want. And you don't get it. There's only two main forces in this world. There's God and there's the devil. And you're either walking with God or you're working with the devil.